0: Uh, first, shout out to my front row right here. Let's hear it for the front row. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, I lost something very near and dear to me this, this past week. Uh, I, think it was, I think it was Sunday when I realized I had lost it. Maybe it was Monday. And um, you probably know what it is since it's on the slide behind me. But I lost my pen. Uh, and it's very upsetting to me. And I know a lot of people here might think that's a really weird thing to get upset about. Like, you might be thinking things like, Matt, it's just a pen. Or, I lose pens all the time. Or, just buy a new pen. Or, uh, certainly, you must have other pens around, right? Like, you lost a pen. I'm sure that, and if you don't, you can probably get a pen. People are giving out pens all the time. My, My grandpa actually, uh, anytime he goes somewhere, he steals one of their pens. Like he doesn't need them, but but he does it anyway. Uh, but um, so you might think that's that's weird, and you you all have great points. If those were the things we were thinking, and in fact, I do have other pens. I have a ton of other pens um, that would work exactly like the pen that I lost. Um, But that doesn't make me feel any better because I really want my pen back. Uh, I wanna get my pen back into my possession. You probably don't know this, but my pen is very valuable. And uh, if you're not into pens, that might not make sense yet again. But let me give you a little bit of a a quick education on pens. Uh, We're not gonna get super far into it. Also, I probably can't pronounce all of the, the names that I'm about to show you. So if you're like listening to this and you're like a real pen person, you're like, oh, Matt doesn't know anything about pens. It's true, I don't know very much about pens. But uh, here's just a few examples. So here is the first pen. Oh yeah, here's the first pen. For $350, you can buy this Parker Sonnet. Um, And obviously, it looks kind of cool. What, it has gold, yeah, gold trim. Solid 18 karat gold. Medium nib. That's a pretty nice pen, right? $350. You might say that that's valuable. Um, like, I'm guessing no one here has a $350 pen. Uh, so that's one example. Here is a pen. Uh, I won't even try to pronounce that. But it's a million dollars. And that is a sweet pen. I, like. I kind of want that pen. Unfortunately, I don't have a million dollars. If I did have a million dollars, I still wouldn't use it to buy this pen, Uh, and if you think that's absurd, this is uh, the most expensive pen that I was able to find at $8 million, and um, I don't know why it's worth $8 million, to be honest. It probably isn't, but it, it is to somebody, so because somebody is willing to spend $8 million on it, that makes this pen an $8 million pen. Uh, so, unfortunately, I don't have those pens. I don't know what my next slide is. Okay. So, unfortunately, I don't have those pens. And, in fact, the pen I bought was quite cheap. It wasn't $8 million. It wasn't $1 million. It wasn't $350. It wasn't even $100. I, I got it for only about $10. Uh, so, like, what, what could I sell for it now if I were to sell it? Uh, I could probably make three dollars, right? Like I could probably get three of those dollars back. Maybe the right person five dollars, but n- not not a ton. So my pen is essentially worth nothing in monetary value. So why is it valuable? Why did I tell you that it's valuable? Uh, is my pen really rare? Like can can nobody find it? Is it really hard to find? Remember when like the PS fives were impossible to find? And people were like the bots were buying them and selling them for a lot of money. Maybe it's like that. Actually, that's not the case. I bought it on Amazon. Um, So, a $10 pen, it's cheap, it's on Amazon, it's not hard to find. So, what makes it valuable? Nothing. There's nothing about my pen that makes it valuable. It's not worth anything. I could buy another pen. Uh, with three-day shipping, and all the other pens that I have put ink on paper just the way this pen that I lost did. It's not a family heirloom, it wasn't a gift, and I actually have a more expensive pen than this one. I have a more valuable pen than this one. So why is it valuable? It's valuable because of the value that I have personally placed on it. It's valuable to me because I say so. It's my pen. It's my pen. It's the pen that I want to use. That's why it's valuable. So when it went missing, what do you think I did? Do you think I just picked up a different pen right away and was like, oh well, do you think that's what I did? If, If you did, and you don't know me very well. That's not what I did. I searched for the pen. And I was actually afraid that it went in the wash. And I stopped the wash mid-cycle. Um, and I put my arm down into the water, like, just full-on trying to find my pen. And I looked through the house. I looked through my car multiple times. I checked every single pocket I could in my pants, in my coat, in my vest. Why? because I wanted my pen returned to me. I want my pen back. I still do. I still have not found it. Otherwise, I would have shown you it here. So I'm not just telling you this story for no reason. Uh, We're going to pray, and then we'll get into Luke 15. If you have a Bible, you can open to it uh, or on your phone. Um, But we're going to be starting in uh, Luke chapter 15. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks for the forge and just for the young adults and Uh, the ministry that happens here, I pray that we're all able to hear your word and learn more about you and draw near to you. Uh, May your spirit be working in us, speaking through me and, and listening on behalf of everybody here. May you change us. Thank you. Amen. All right, starting in Luke 15, verse 1, and we're just going to read two verses to start. So one and two, then we're going to stop and we're going to talk about and then we're going to keep going. So Luke 15, 1 says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. All right, stop. Don't read any further yet. Let's talk about that first. I want to paint kind of this this picture just a little bit more. So Jesus was spending time with tax collectors. And tax collectors were hated. Can you tell me why people hated them so much? There's a few reasons. They it's, yeah, they were known to cheat people by stealing their money. Yeah? They were considered traitors. Yeah. They are considered traitors to their own people. Good. Um, so, right, they're cheaters, frauds, and betrayed their own people. Sounds like type of person that would be hated, naturally. Uh, and it also says that Jesus was with the sinners. So the tax collectors and sinners. Uh, and that one shouldn't be hard to understand, because we all know people that are living in sin. And statistically speaking, many... Of the people here are probably living in sin, in sin and can't break their addiction to sin. Uh, maybe some of you guys remember when my dad came in last and he gave a message about sin. It was called, uh, I love sin or something like that. And the point was that what might start as like a small sin that, that you do one time and, and you feel remorseful for or whatever just becomes this, Just this trap and you just become enslaved to that sin, and it has a grip on you. And maybe that's where some of you guys are here today. You try to walk away from it, and it has that grip on you, and it's just bringing you back, pulling you back into it. Um, so, whether it's someone you know, <clears throat> whether it's yourself, or um, just... A sinner. That's the group of people that Jesus was spending time with in this this passage. The group of people that Jesus was teaching. As this is happening, the religious leaders come and they make their judgmental comments. They don't like that Jesus is taking the time to address who would otherwise be social outcasts to the culture. And it actually reminds me of the movie that we watched last week. And where the pastor brought in a bunch of hippies, and what happened? Not rhetorical. Well, they all came to Christ. And the church uh, yes, so, yep, yeah, great. But thinking more on the religious leader side of things. When a pastor brought in the group of outcasts, the people that didn't seem like everybody else, what was the response of the people that were already in the church? What was it? Derision. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people left. People brought it up. They didn't like it. They complained. And people left. And that's, that's kind of what's happening here. So let's keep reading. Let's find out uh, what Jesus does and says next. So verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. So he tells a story, um, which is interesting. And then he tells another story similar to it in verse 8. Or, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house... And search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, Jesus here with these stories, with these parables, is describing his pursuit of sinners like a shepherd, would search for its sheep. Or how a woman will search for her lost coin, something so valuable to her. Notice that the search is both intense and celebrated. We see the woman searching the entire house diligently until she finds it. And once she found it, what does she do? She calls her friend, probably not on a phone, probably not back in the day, But she she calls her friends. She's like, celebrate with me. I found it. So the search is intense and celebrated. Um, and And that's how it's describing sinners who repent. Sinners that turn to the Lord and leave their sin behind. The search is intense and it's celebrated. But the intense search, it reminds me of the lines in the song that we sang. Your goodness is running after me. Your goodness is running after running after me. It's God is in pursuit of his people. Even sinners, even tax collectors who were frauds and they betrayed their people and they stole. God is in pursuit of his people. Your goodness is running after me. If you're currently one of the 99, one of the righteous that isn't in the need of repentance, do you know how you got there? Only by the goodness of God. Only by His grace. Only because of His pursuit towards you. Don't think that you're good enough that you, that you got to that point because of your own good deeds. It's because of his goodness running after you, his pursuit towards you. You were once the one, that one sheep that needed rescued, the one coin that needed found. And what did it say happened when the sheep was found, when the coin was found? The, the celebration There's rejoicing. When a sinner repents, there's celebrating in heaven over that. If there's celebration, that means whatever was lost is valuable. Right? So the sheep, the coin, the sinner, it's valuable. You probably don't search for something that isn't valuable. And I googled what makes something valuable, and here's what I got off of like some auction website. Four things. There's probably more, but this thing said four. Quality, rarity, market appeal, and condition. So let me run myself through this filter of quality, rarity, market appeal, and condition and see how valuable I am. All right, my quality. Just this week, uh, I woke up Monday through the night with nausea, stomach problems, uh, later in the day, I got aches and I was feverish. I got an ear infection in one day. One day. It was a pretty bad day. I'm not quality. That, that's, not, that's not quality. Let's see. Rarity. How do I mark on the rarity? How many people are there in the world? Seven something billion? Maybe more by now. I don't know. I'm one in seven billion. Seven billion. Not that rare. Market appeal? I didn't really, didn't really know how to put myself on the scale. But uh, I do know that I one time applied to be a t-shirt model for a company that I liked. Um, and I sent them pictures. And I was hype about it. And you know what happened? You know what they said? They didn't say anything. They didn't even reject me. So I don't have the market appeal condition my condition it's not all that good i'm 28 years old um and i'm probably in the worst condition of my life like realistically speaking i'm training for a 5k and it is hard so actually to be fair i'm in better condition now than i was like a week and a half ago but a week and a half ago i was probably in the worst condition of my life uh But you know what? You know what I remind myself a lot of? Looking at myself through the filter of quality, rarity, market appeal, and condition. I'm a lot like my pen. My lost pen. It's not inherently valuable. I have no inherent reason that I should be valuable on my own. I didn't rank high in that activity. I only have a value that has been placed on me by God. In the book of Genesis, we're told that men and women were made in God's image. We carry God's image with us everywhere we go. That's what gives us value. That's what separates us from monkeys, birds, worms. Every other animal, we're set apart. They don't carry the image of God. We carry that. Humans have the image of God. We were chosen to have that on us. We were made valuable. When God made humans, he chose us. He chose us. If you didn't listen to anything I said, start listening. Because you are valuable. You are so valuable that God came down to earth to live and to die. God came to earth to die for you. You are valuable. You're so valuable that when you repent your sin and you turn to God... There is a celebration in heaven. The angels rejoice in heaven over that. Why? Because you're valuable. You're so valuable that God is chasing after you. If I didn't care about my pen, I wouldn't go looking for it. God cares about you. And he chases after you even as sinners. You hold God's image. You're so valuable. So, I'm going to ask you something. Do you feel it? Do you feel the ruthless pursuit of God in your life? Are you that one sheep, the one coin? Are you the one sinner Who needs to turn from your sin in your life? Is God chasing after you? Is he in pursuit of you? To have you repent and turn back? To have a party in heaven over you? I guarantee you that there's life in that. I guarantee you that God is better than your sin. I guarantee it. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do two things. We have uh, a song that we're going we're to pull up. But two things. Number one, pray. Ask forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. And repent of your sin. Right, right where you're at. Right in your seat. Right now. Make the decision right now to repent. To stop whatever whatever it is. That you're, that you're running away from God from. Whatever it is that has its grip on you, make the decision to repent. Number two, text somebody. Text somebody that you trust because there's a good chance you're going to need accountability in this. And... Um, not gonna lie, that, that can be embarrassing to text somebody and be like, "Hey, <clears throat> this I'm, I'm struggling with this, and, and I'm deciding right now to stop, and I need your help. I need you to check in on me. I need you to, I, I need you to keep me accountable to this decision that I'm turning from this right now." It can be embarrassing, but you want to know something? You want to know something crazy? Is that the person that you tell that to so often? is either dealing with the same stuff or has dealt with it in the past. You know it's a lot worse than being a little embarrassed? Living in sin. Living in that prison that the sin keeps you in. So, those are the those are the two action items um, we're gonna we're gonna play the second song I'd like for everybody just to start seated and just pray if uh if it's not if you're not the one if you're if you're on good terms with God pray for the people around you pray that pray that other people are freed from the the hold that the sin has on them. Um, If at any point you, after that, you want to stand, worship, sing, if you want to sit and sing, if you want to kneel and sing, whatever you want to do, I just ask that everybody starts seated praying. Um, And then after that, uh, after the song's over, um, just get in small groups of three or four and, and pray for each other. So, uh, whatever whatever you need prayer for. I'm going to pray, and then we'll play this one. Dear God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for running after us as sinners. When the world would think that that's crazy you think that we're valuable. You know that we're valuable because you made us that way. Thank you for the value that you put on us. For letting us be bearers of your image. I pray for everyone here today. Just that if there's sin in their lives, that they be free from that. That that the sin would lose its hold on them, that they would repent, turn to you, and they'd be celebrating in heaven tonight because of people turning to you. Thank you for your pursuit towards us, that you love us so much. You run after us. You died for us. May we turn to you right now. Amen.